to talk about perspective, problems, and responsibility, but we'll get there in a second. Um, um, I spent a lot of time the end of the week, and now that it's the beginning of a new week, we are now at the beginning of Thanksgiving week. Um... I spent the end of last week, maybe in this weird caffeine cycle, um, for the purpose of, you know, trying to get in some workouts. So, um, I believe it was, uh, Thursday, Thursday. I had some C4, maybe around like somewhere between like 3 and 5 p.m. I knew that was not a good idea because, you know, I have a, a caffeine sensitivity. I tried not to have even half a scoop. I tried to keep it at, at like less than half a scoop, but I it had a kick to it and it definitely kicked in. Um, I worked out for... I think almost 90 minutes. Um, I think, you know, I did about 30 minutes of yoga, like really slow, kind of like not any poses that were like too intensive because I'm trying to like keep consistent. Like I don't want to get like super sore so that I have to like feel like I need to take days off or give myself any excuse. Like I'm not, I'm not working out every single day. But I'm trying to kind of boost it up a little bit because I did kind of go off track there. But, you know, the reason why I talk about a lot of this uh, lifestyle balance stuff on here is, you know, I wouldn't say it's really for accountability because um, I don't really even talk about my direct um, plans with some of the health choices I make, um, but I do like to, uh, play with psychology, I guess I'll put it that way, um, that means everything from consciousness to, uh, awareness to just practicing things and, and trying new stuff, um, I do have a bit of an aversion towards certain types of organized religion-ish types of things. And so it's kind of hard for me to do things like, you know, uh, going to like some kind of a service. I mean, I'm not saying like I'm against it. It's just... I'm very particular <laughs> um, about the types of 
religious and spiritual environments that I want to support or be a part of. Uh, I think there it's possible. I think it's possible to learn from almost anywhere, even if it's like some batshit crazy like person like ranting and shrieking over a microphone. You know, some tyrant type of person. Like you can still kind of learn from them. I'm not saying like do everything they say, but you know, even those world leaders that are like you're, you can point at them with your finger in their face and just being like you are a bad person <laughs> you know what i mean um the ones who you can tell don't care about their own people and they support all this like all kinds of like terrorism and horror horrific things but sometimes when you listen to them talk even if you're learning something that's like just so so that you're like i will never be like this you know like you can learn from these types of people, even if it's in a reverse kind of way where it's like, I hear what you're saying, but I, I am turning and running as fast as possible in the opposite direction from that, you know? Um, so I'm not saying like, oh, like, don't listen to sermons, don't go to church, don't practice religions, like whatever. Like if it works for you, do it. If it doesn't work for you, that's where I would say mm, at least think about it you know because for me it it makes me it upsets me it upsets me to see people brainwashing each other or or trying to brainwash other people or use their position of power to manipulate people to come and basically give their building money you know that's kind of where I it gets a little murky for me I'm like some of it just feels a little gross but it's kind of hard to like detach that like I have these weird theories that sometimes I'm like it's possible that maybe I'm accurate maybe I'm completely off but it's possible that you know maybe sometime during uh mm, sometime during uh you know listening to these people um you know you know people get like fear like i think people are very driven by fear it's a very powerful emotion you know and it kind of overrides uh logic sometimes or ability to like think clearly you know, with the adrenaline and all the other things that happen when someone's in a state of fear. Um, I'll give you a weird example. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't traumatic. It was just, uh, I don't know if I've told this story. Maybe I have, I, I can't really remember. Um, but way back when I was young, like, pre-driving age but probably like I was probably in about fourth grade or something which means my brother was maybe in third grade um, I really don't remember how old I was uh, I don't think I was in fifth or sixth grade I think I was a little younger than that age maybe fifth grade at the oldest and you know we were 
I don't know where we had gone, but we went somewhere in LA and my mom was driving us and we had this old car and it stalled outside of like across the street from this like Chinese restaurant at the light. It was like a left turn light where it stalled. I remember there was a Chinese restaurant on the parallel corner um, uh, towards the passenger side. Like, this isn't a story where anything bad happened, just to let you know. Like, But, you know, we're waiting there. I don't know what time of day it was, but it was light when the car had stalled. Um, I think my mom, you know, put the hazards on, crossed the... We were parked near the little island in the middle with the, with the hazards on, I think. The hazards were on, I don't remember. This is, like, ages ago. I'm pretty sure the hazards were on, though. And, you know... My mom walked me, my brother, I can't remember if my sister was born yet, but I think she was, I think she was, and she walks um, with us across, I guess, to the corner um, at the Chinese food place. I don't know who she called, if she called my dad or if she called a tow truck, Um, but we were there for a while, waiting next to the car. I don't know if we were in, I don't think we were in the car. I think we got out of the car and we're waiting kind of on the island next to the car. We were standing there for a while. Um, And as a kid, you know, I was a pretty calm kid, but like I would get stressed, but I would like hold things in. So I wasn't like crying or like anything. And neither was my brother. I'm pretty sure my sister was young and she wasn't like fussing or anything, but we were there until it got dark like I remember when the car stalled it wasn't dark yet but I don't know what time of day it was it, it must not have been that late um but it got dark and then we're still standing there and this couple like I think we go back to the payphone across you know by the Chinese place or whatever and I think we call again and I don't know who like I don't know if the tow truck was coming I don't know Either way, no truck, no tow truck came. No, uh, or maybe it did, but not right away. And at that time, um, you know, uh, this is like way back before cell phones, by the way. <laughs> um, back like I mean, when people had cell phones, they were like brick phones and stuff. Like it wasn't like like there were still pay phones like all over the place. And this is on a city street. Um, so there was, I'm pretty sure there was a payphone. I, I, I think I recall that part pretty accurately, but either way, we're standing outside this car for probably an hour. I don't know how long it was. It was a while. Long enough that I think my mom went back to call again and be like, why aren't, like, why is anybody coming kind of thing? Uh, and while we're waiting there, you know, Nobody, nobody really helped us or anything for a while. It felt like forever. Um, and so let's call it an hour, maybe two. And we're waiting out there and, you know, a, a car, uh, this, uh, this African-American man and maybe two women that were probably about my mom's age uh you know they get out of the car and they're like do you guys need some help and then one of the ladies was like oh i saw you standing out here and you have your kids and like 
felt kind of bad because I think I think I don't remember exactly, but I think they said they had driven by earlier, and then when they came back to go wherever they were going back to, um, they saw we were still like standing there, and they're like, well, let's just see if they need some help, kind of thing. And so the guy tries to help us, and he's like, you know, I can push the car out of the way, you know, because it's like there's this left turn lane. It would have we would have we would have been turning left if the car hadn't stalled at that light there um and i think we were at the front of the light and the car was just stalled so we had been causing traffic um you know unintentionally for a while and you know the guy gets in the car and he's just gonna roll it you know turn it left and just you know park it against that curb on the on the um diagonal corner you know uh as if as if we had turned left and then just like parked against the right side corner you know because then it would at least be out of the left turn lane because it was like a left turn light lane um i don't remember if it was an arrow or if it wasn't but he's like oh like do you you know i think my brother was in the car at the time uh he had been sitting in the car, I think, and then he, I guess he was like, oh, and I was like, well, I want to get in the car too, you know, I'm not thinking it's going to be fun, and he gets in, you know, I get in the back seat, the back driver's side seat, I think my brother's in the front um, passenger seat, and this guy, I guess he puts the car in neutral, and he starts kind of like, you know, pushing it by himself, you know, he's, there's a little car, um, it's a little bitty car, compact Corolla, and, you know, he's pushing it, you know, turning it left, and I hear him say, you know, I'm a kid, I haven't been driving either, so I hear this guy say, like, ooh, like, it's hard to turn the wheel, like, I don't know if I can turn it, and he's, like, running, he's, he's, you know, holding the steering wheel with the driver's door open, kind of, like, trying to steer this car and drive it, like, by himself, you know, and I hear him say that, and I'm, you know, I, you know, this is LA, so there's traffic everywhere. You know, we had the light, I guess, at that, <clears throat> at that point where he went to turn the car and help us get out of the way, um, as we waited for the tow truck. And, um, yeah, he came to help us get out of the way. And, um, he, uh, um like when when he's turning left you know i think in my little kid head i'm like he's gonna go into the oncoming traffic you know like um they had stopped but in my head i was like they're gonna start coming and they're gonna run into our car you know and in my head i'm like freaking out i'm like i start like i went from like oh i want to get in this car because it's going to be fun to have this experience rolling down the street kind of thing and to uh this might be dangerous and so you know this is all like in, within a few seconds only i jump out of the out of the car while he's moving it so it's like he's running moving it it's not like it's driving at all you know um and so i remember opening up the door and jumping out and running back towards my mom who's at the island and then i remember like 
screaming back like to my brother like get out like jump out of the car get out of the car kind of thing and it didn't seem like a bad situation and then one of the ladies was kind of like chuckling a little bit she's like oh poor poor thing you don't want to be in, in that car with with some stranger or something like that you know like and I was just thinking like oh I thought he couldn't turn and I you know like I didn't say all that I was like I thought he couldn't turn but like things like that it's like even when you're young you know you're not gonna jump out of a moving car right like but that was fear I was just like oh crap and I remember after that experience once we eventually you know the tow truck did eventually get there we all kind of piled into the one seat or you know you know how they have like those wide seats and we were like two little kids and then my sister must have been super young and my mom had probably my sister on her lap or something like we all fit and um I remember you know her like my mom uh just you know she wasn't like too she didn't seem like upset or stressed out or anything so I was I was pretty calm about it too I just knew this wasn't normal we're not supposed to be outside like this and like I wasn't like cold necessarily but I was just like kind of tired you know and I, I think I remember um chewing gum like I had this there there used to be these this type of gum I don't know how to explain it. I think it was like bubblicious or something and we used to always get the grape flavored one and I used to always get headaches chewing gum. I, ne I never really put two and two together, but I remember having a headache from chewing that gum. And I remember after that event, I was like, I am never chewing that gum again. And that sweater I was wearing, I was wearing the sweater. I never wore that. That Maybe I wore it way later, but I told myself, I'm not chewing that gum again. I'm not wearing the sweater again. Somehow I thought those were like related. I was like, just in case these are related. <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore kind of thing. Um... And, you know, it was a weird experience. I don't, I don't even know. But, you know, when your mind is thinking, like, danger, you know, you're not going to make the best of decisions, you know. Um, you know, I was, I was watching a lot during this weekend of um, migrants coming on, like, not live, but, you know, uh, a lot of stories about migrants coming on these like rafts and things that are like basically rubber rafts like packed with way too many people with engines that fail in the middle of the water and you know sometimes these ships come to like rescue them like these volunteer ships and there's plenty of people on those rafts that do not know how to swim they're given sometimes they're given these life jackets that some of the life jackets it seems like a lot of a percentage aren't even like legit life jackets like they look like they are but then inside the seams when they take it out when they take out the stuff inside sometimes it's just like packing foam and stuff like that it's not even really like gonna like keep you afloat or whatever or like those toys that kids use in the pools and stuff like that like they're not like real like legit life jackets if they do have them they're like smugglers aren't spending money on this kind of stuff they don't care if the engines fail they don't care if the boats get destroyed and people start sinking and a lot of people on these uh rafts and boats can't swim and you see like the footage of the of the ships when the ships come and they're telling everybody sit down because you know if somebody starts standing up and everybody starts panicking 
you know these rafts are already flimsy and crappy as they are half some of the time they're you know sinking down on one side or in the front because they're losing air and all this kind you can see people bailing out water and they've been stalled for maybe like days or something longer like if it was supposed to be like a six to ten hour trip like there were people that said they were out in the water for like six days you know can't swim you know so even if the goal was to swim from wherever they were left you know they wouldn't be able because they don't know how to swim and the life jackets aren't helpful and so you see the this footage when the ships come and they're trying to slowly get like mother babies first and then the the mothers of the babies after that and then you know you see like there's this one clip where this guy this grown man you know he's he kind of probably realizes he's going to be one of the last ones still on the raft because they start taking people in a certain order just one at a time and everyone has to stay seated while they're taking one person at a time and you can see the speed at which these people are trying to climb up these ladders and like get onto the big ship that's rescuing them um and you know there's this one clip where this guy just like dives off the back of the of the raft and he's like drowning basically almost he's like drowning in the water and then they save they have to throw out this big uh raft this big like thing to kind of like you know that he holds on to and they kind of pull him up so he ends up getting out faster than some of the other people just because he goes and risks his life by jumping out of the boat and it's like things like that you know that is like true fear you know um fear is not the most helpful of things but um like i i you know i kind of feel like sometimes religions use that kind of tactic they're like let's give them some fear uh, that you have to do these things because if you do have fear then you're gonna act uh, out of fear right just like i jumped out of that car out of fear i never would have done something like that you know like i was raised in the city you know i know you don't jump out of a moving car even if it's not on a very busy street even if they're letting you kind of like push your car out of the way and they see that's happening it's not safe to jump out of the car and run through the middle of an intersection you know but that to me seems safer than staying in the car you know it's like you know just because i heard that guy saying like oh the car is like hard to turn and i'm like oh shoot get out you know um and my example is nothing like any of these you know the migrant people or refugees and people who are like on these rafts you know you know out in the middle of the water and stuff after how, whatever they had to go through to get to that point um you know to see the people like that would rather jump out and that no they can't swim it's like this guy you could tell he could not swim like uh i don't even remember if he had a life jacket on but you could tell he wasn't like skilled at swimming like he wasn't like sinking but he wasn't like skillfully making any progress too much you know you could tell uh he's not like a very skilled like athletic swimmer he was jumping to try to save his life he felt like you know i will be more likely to survive if i jump off the back of this boat than i would be to wait well not even a boat it's like a rubber raft thing 
I'll be more likely to survive if I jump off the bat than I will be if I have to wait my turn. You know, like, he was probably making that decision, you know, out of desperation. And I'm like, dude, that's, you know, um, but, um, I don't know, it's just kind of food for thought on that. Like, I wasn't really trying to necessarily go exactly in that direction, but, um, you know, that is one thing that makes it kind of hard for me to be, like, really involved with, uh, uh, different types of communities like that, is when I see that, you know, I've got, like, a pretty big sensitivity or paranoia, whatever you want to call it, towards that type of thing, and I can sense it when people are trying to do that, when they're trying to use, like, fear and then I'm like so turned off from it and so I just a lot of times I just don't even bother to like give them a chance when it comes to some of these places um because I think they know what they're doing um maybe yeah maybe maybe if I give them the benefit of the doubt maybe they don't really know um that what they're doing is kind of a form of brainwashing in a way or manipulation, um, I'm talking about all the, like, if you don't follow this tradition or whatever, you're gonna go to hell kind of thing, um, I don't think it helps people to, like, think about how they're actually, like, making choices for their, for their lifestyle, um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I did want to talk about perspective problems and responsibility, but I guess that's kind of, like, the background of perspective like if you have a fear-based perspective you know it's gonna be much more likely to react out of you know survival survival mode versus if if you're able to have like gratitude um I mean, it, it really just depends per situation. Um, um, but, you know, I was thinking about this because of, um, um, an episode of Iced Coffee Hour with Graham Stephan and Jack, um, like two weeks ago. Now, um, I think the last episode was with uh, Dave Ramsey, and the one before that was with these twins. I can't remember their name. Uh, let's see. I don't know. It doesn't really say their names very easily. Um. Let's see. Uh, I have the description open. I don't know if it's going to show me who these guys are. Um, dang. It has all their sponsors, of course. Um, oh, there it is. Uh, Jason and Brett Oppenheim from the Oppenheim Group. 
slash selling sunset. So that's what they're from. Um, so they are on there for this interview and, you know, they start talking about this concept of like, for them specifically, they're like, you know, we don't really have any, not all of them. Uh, one of the twins was saying, I don't have any actual problems, like actual, like real problems. You know, they start talking about these concepts of health, um, and, you know, Jack was kind of saying the same thing. He's like, yeah, I don't really have any real problems. And they start talking about health. And they're like, you know, unless, you know, until you start having, like, some kind of, like, health problem. They were saying health problems are probably, like, one of the primary issues. Um, now, all these guys, I'm pretty sure all of them are, like, millionaires or, or very wealthy. I don't know if Jack is technically a millionaire yet. He might be. I don't I don't know for sure. Jack, Jack uh, Selby. Um, but if he's not, then he's probably on his way within the next year, unless he hit it this year already. Um, he's on track to being a millionaire. Um, but I'm not sure about that. Um... But a lot of the people they interview on their show are very wealthy or successful if they're not super wealthy. Um, but they talk about finance and business and stuff like that. So, of course, I like it because it's like, oh, people kind of closer to my age that are, like, talking about this stuff. Um, but a lot of the people they interview are quite a bit older than they are. And... Anyways, one of them says in the episode, uh, and I'll try and link it to this um, here. He says, um, there's like a quote I think that Jack takes and says, you know, you have 100 problems until you have a health problem, then you have one problem. And, you know, the reason why I mentioned that they're really wealthy is because I think a lot of times um, they don't talk about like finances as an issue um they talk about some stuff you know about their investments and different things and i'm not saying those aren't real problems i mean the economy affects everybody rich poor you know but their situation is definitely different from a lot of other americans situations it's different from mine um uh, but they also talk about this victim mentality. Like, a lot of this stuff isn't new. I just like the way that, you know, I decided to kind of tap into it this morning. And, you know, I just looked for a segment that I hadn't heard before and, you know, started listening. And that segment was about 13 minutes long. And I was kind of like, uh, it's kind of interesting to hear people with a lot of, and I'm pretty sure if anyone listens to this and they're struggling financially or something, they would say the same thing. It's interesting to hear millionaires talking about money, you know, and he, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm trying, you know, not to judge them based on their financial health or whatever. Um, I know, you know, Graham got wealthy on his own. You know, he wasn't inheriting money. He basically got into real estate young, was successful with it, 
leveraged it with his profits and you know kept reinvesting and eventually got into like you know youtube and podcasting and other you know streams of revenue investments and things like that and he's very frugal and a lot of that has led him to become a millionaire like it's not like he was like waking up one day and just a bunch of money dumped in his lap so like i really appreciate you know when people come from i wouldn't say he came from like the trenches it doesn't sound like he was like like raised in like extreme poverty but he was raised not wealthy you know like um he wasn't like handed things like he had jobs when he was young to like get money for stuff like he um he never mentions like oh yeah my parents just like gave me money and like i just would spend it like he was always frugal even in his youth he liked having money and making money and having his own money um and you know i think in some weird way people kind of respect that more than you know or people respect when someone comes from the trenches and gets wealthy people respect that a lot uh or when someone works their way up people respect that a lot i'm talking about the general public um and from there i feel like a lot of other forms of people getting wealthy people don't seem to have as much respect for that same thing for when somebody mentions like when the two of them were having this conversation about you know i don't think i really have any problems you know and they were saying that on air you know they weren't like laughing at other people's you know issues and things but they were just saying that and they're like you know it's kind of not a popular thing to say and i was thinking you know the same thing like i was like that's not gonna go over well with a lot of people i could see a lot of people turning it off and just being like i don't want to listen to this because these people have nothing in common with me like there's no way that they're based in most people's current reality with them saying i don't have any problems you know um that's their perspective i don't know if they don't have any problems i mean the two brothers earlier in the episode talk about how they fight they've had a history of like physical fist fights i think they mentioned going to therapy and they did mention that they do argue a lot they argue they bicker they debate and they fight like in an argumentative way um with each other it sounds like enough that people who are around them kind of notice that they do it that they'll excuse themselves from like a dinner or something and go out in the parking lot and like argue with each other and stuff and I'm, so i'm kind of like do you really not have a problem like that to me sounds like a bit of a problem but you know um i guess they don't identify it as such but i mean i'm not trying to like pick on them i'm just saying like if i had a sibling that i was like arguing with to that extent all the time i'd be like uh like that is a problem for me you know um like i have some family members that i'm like i know that having a relationship with them uh is a problem you know like getting them involved in my life it becomes a problem for me they become a problem for me you know they are a problem if i allow them to be 
they will be a problem, you know, so, you know, I guess maybe they're, like, allowing it, I don't know, but I would see that as a problem, but they, I guess if they're not going to label it that way, I'm not going to, like, put words in their mouth, but, um, you know, it's kind of just an interesting thing, and, you know, the reason why it kind of hit me is because, like, this, this morning, I was, like, you know, I was waking up, and I was, like, all right, I got up pretty early, late, late, is it was late, because it was later than usual, like, it was light out, so I'm, like, it must be at least six something, uh, because it was light out, so I was, like, okay, but I could tell it wasn't, like, that late, because it wasn't, it was still getting lighter, you know, so when I woke up, it was, like, six something, I never looked at my clock, though, I didn't want to, um, uh, I think once I looked at the clock, it was like nearly seven and seven a.m. So I woke up before seven. Um, and I know the last time I saw last night was about twelve thirty after midnight because I purposely stayed up late because I uh, purposely had C four so I could work out last night. I got in about an hour workout, and you know I was. Even last night, I was like, I've been in this caffeine loop for like three days now. Am I really going to have a third night without sleep, you know, uh, of like losing sleep? Um, and, you know, I had a restful Friday, you know, I was going to do things uh, and I was so tired from not sleeping too well um, from prioritizing that workout late in the evening in a way that that's the only way I know how to really do it because I wouldn't have gotten I wouldn't have worked out otherwise um, my energy was not there um but it helped me work out I was like that's the trade-off you know and I don't think it's it's okay to trade off sleep for exercise like you can only do that for so long but I was like you know it's nearly the weekend and I was hitting a lot of roadblocks with the online stuff because of this phone verification nonsense. And I've been going back and forth with customer service. I'm like, I just don't even want to deal with it right now. So I kind of gave myself permission to take some days off, even though in my head I was like, I'll be busy later. And then that never came, you know. And then Saturday I did the same thing. I was like, okay, um, you know, because I took Friday off because of Thursday night. And then... Saturday, I was like, well, I don't, I'm not busy Saturdays anyways, I make it a point not to be busy, and then, you know, I was like, but once it's night, I'll, I'll be busy, and I was just about to open up some work to get done, um, and I was like, you know, I'd rather just exercise, because this was at about, like, 4.30, I was texting a friend around 3.30, saying, like, I kind of want to take a nap, and then get in a workout, you know, and, um, this was, like, around 3.30, and I was, like, let me wait till it's actually sundown, and, you know, wait a little longer, so I waited, like, about an extra hour, and then, you know, took some C4, got some caffeine in me, and, you know, I ended up being able to have a, have a good workout last night, but it was late again, and, um, I was listening to the Joe Rogan episode with, with The Rock, and I found it really positive, 
and a lot of it kind of stuck with me. It, it was kind of like a positive mindset boost that I kind of needed to hear when it comes to like things around fitness and, you know, and hearing, hearing, uh, people like Joe Rogan and The Rock, um, you know, talking about, you know, how they make sure that they get in their routines and things like that. It's like, it's helpful to hear because it's like, okay, they could potentially have the same struggles as a lot of us other people who are like, I wish I would work out more, you know, you know, I wish I could get more fit and, you know, uh, be in the shape I used to be or whatever. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of hard when you like, cause for me, like I grew up athletic and so a lot of the new stuff with these weird health things and pain and other weird stuff is it's pretty new since probably like 2020 or so I never really was having issues with things too much up until about then um and so a lot of this is like was going on and I you know over the years I've kind of like realized the points in my life where I was doing the least well were usually because I wasn't making healthy decisions and I wasn't really working out at all like I mapped it out I mapped out way back I did this I mapped out my physical activity like from high school when I used to work out or from you know when I was younger I used to play sports at recess I used to play sports at lunch I used to play sports after school you know and you know it wasn't until maybe my first year of grad school that I had maybe like the least amount of sports that I was playing um, on a pretty regular basis. Uh, I wasn't playing pickup games as much or anything. Uh, and then I start, I stopped playing soccer on the, on Sundays, but I did still walk to and from campus. I know for the first, maybe I think the first, year or the first semester I walked to and from the bus I didn't even drive to campus because I lived closer to campus for a while before the economy crashed and then um yeah I was still walking a lot then and you know grad school you know you have a backpack with heavy books and I used to have like the 17 inch monitor laptop you know and it was heavy it was like this old like hp um, back then they were pretty heavy. They didn't really make lightweight ones. So I'd have that with my books and lunch and everything. And I would walk a lot, you know, and then I think I identified that it was like my second or third year of grad school was the year that I kind of stopped walking as much. And I do remember, um, you know, I used to always wear shorts and stuff. And I do remember specifically the time period when I went from wearing the same clothes all the time and I think it was like after summer vacation or something and I was about to start school again one of those terms and I go to put on a pair of pants that I'd already been wearing because if you get if you if you know me I don't really shop that much so you know I went to put on a pair of pants that I hadn't been wearing in a while uh, after summer vacation, I believe, and they did not fit. 
like they were pretty fitted i think it was like um i don't remember what size but i used to wear about a size eight in women's maybe about a about a 30 waist in like guys um and my clothes didn't fit and that was like the first time in my life i was like ooh, it's not good you know uh that's not good yeah my clothes don't fit um because i had like there were certain things i would wear to school but over summer you know and and maybe i wasn't taking classes or something um but i was like i don't really need to dress like nicer for school so i just didn't and you know i was gonna get out of my summer attire and get ready for school and i went to put them on and i was like oh they don't fit you know they fit last year they fit a few months ago you know um and that's the first time i remember because i remember uh that was the term like the term before that i had started parking on campus because i started leaving late i started leaving later at night because i was working on my thesis and working on everything and i would stay on campus till like 10 10 30 and so um i remember i didn't even buy a parking permit i would just pay the day pass every like i think i went to school like two three days a week um i don't remember that's kind of a blur but yeah like i was just um you know no longer you know prioritizing fitness like before i wasn't like using the walking as like an exercise necessarily but i was like i just don't want to pay the fee for parking and i have legs i can walk like to me it was like not worth the 100 200 300 parking pass to you know i don't remember how much it cost maybe it was like 100 bucks or something but I was like, I'm not going to pay this pass when I can just park on the other side of the parking lot in the residential area and, like, walk. Walking to campus. It was weird because it was, like, you'd ha So you would walk downhill from the parking, and then if you know Cal State LA, everything's, like, kind of on a hill. So it's, like, no matter where you park off campus, you have to walk uphill. You, if it's from the valley side or if it's from the front side, it comes off the freeway off the front side of the school. Uh, of the main entrance you'd have to walk up that hill um and then coming back to the car you'd have to walk you know down the hill you know down the campus hill and i parked off near valley and so i would have to walk up you know the hill back to the car so it's like i was always walking uphill i was carrying my guitar most of the time and in a backpack full of books you know like i had a lot of weight on me and i liked that you know it you know it was exercise i didn't hardly take the elevator i would walk the three flights of stairs i think it was called king hall i can't remember what the name of the buildings were but you know i'd have to walk up that back parking lot flight it was a big flight of stairs and then walk up three more flights of stairs like but I did that, you know, a few times a week, and it was like maybe 20-something minutes one way, 20-something minutes back to the car. And, you know, when I stopped doing that, that's when I noticed, like, oh, I'm gaining this weight, you know. Um, 
but I don't think it really affected me that much because I was still pretty young and uh um but yeah I wasn't playing sports on Sundays anymore I wasn't walking just to get to class and I think after my after I graduated and got my master's I thought I'd get a job right away and so I did spend a lot of my I had extra financial aid so I spent like a thousand dollars or something for like a month of like a personal trainer at 24-hour fitness and so I remember the first month I went to the gym like every day um for that was my goal 30 days at the gym you know I didn't know what I was doing like by the time I was in with the trainer because I think we had four sessions for a thousand bucks or something um and that it was whatever the deal was with the with 24-hour fitness so I signed up for the gym I did training once a week or twice a week or maybe I think it was twice a week maybe like Tuesday Thursday or something like that and um you know I would go on the days that the that I didn't have training I would go and train like just elliptical whatever and then as I learned kind of what to do um you know he would like the trainer would like you know, tell me what to do. And then I didn't want to pay for the training after that because I was realizing, okay, it's harder to get a job than I thought. Um, I didn't start working. Like, I graduated in June, didn't get employed until November, and my first paycheck didn't come in until uh, till, uh, January of whatever that year was. Um, so I think the onboarding was in... November but the first month of work was in December and then we got paid the next month so yeah I didn't get paid till January and so I, I stopped paying for the trainer but I remember I would still go to the gym I still worked out um yeah I still went to the gym um I exercised on I don't remember what I did after the 30 days, honestly. I don't remember what my schedule was, but I I wrote it down somewhere. I probably still have the notebook from somewhere where I wrote it down. And then, like, I kept a pretty good routine for probably till the end of that year, the beginning of the next year, because I remember I was tutoring. Uh, so December I was tutoring. I started tutoring, and I did that all the way till probably May or June. Um... I kept that tutoring job and I would do P90X or tap out or insanity at one point. I, I, I would do that before I would go do tutoring. And so I kind of had this routine because like I couldn't tutor till the kids were out of school. So I didn't really start leaving the house till probably... Mm, before 3 but before 3 p.m but it was afternoon when I was leaving the house so I would work out like before lunch eat lunch you know for it to have enough time to settle and do the bathroom thing and all that uh but I did that you know I had a pretty good routine I used to run lines like in the living room and stuff and yeah once I got kind of off of that routine I um 
um, yeah, I, I remember, you know, I, I lost a lot of weight. I think I lost like, um, I don't remember now, but I want to say it was nearly 20 pounds in that period of time. I lost maybe nearly 20 pounds from June till maybe June again or so. And maybe I had some months where I kind of was kind of off of, off of, you know, being consistent. Um, but yeah, that was a pretty healthy spurt of time. Um, and then when I started, you know, when I moved to San Diego, I used to walk around a lot there too. Um, around the campus and stuff. And I would go to the gym after practicum and stuff uh, at the Westfield Mall in Mission Valley. I used to go to that gym at the mall all the time. And, you know, I think when I stopped doing that, it was maybe like my second year I stopped doing that and things just definitely took a downhill turn from there. Um, and that contributed to a lot of other issues because the stress levels I was experiencing were probably some of the highest in my life as far as like career pressure wise and politics and just dealing with toxic nonsense. Um, the combination of things, like, I, you know, I wasn't able to really, like, you know, compete with the stress levels on top of, you know, just doing things the way they needed to be done. Um, so gladly, you know, that got me out of there, you know, because that school is not a good fit for me. Um, I'm, I'm now glad and grateful that I did not get a doctorate with that program. I'm, I'm glad that I didn't, um, cause I think I would have felt stuck in a career that I don't even want to do anymore. So, cause I just realized like September of 2022, I just, I had just realized that I don't even want to be working in psych anymore. So, you know, uh, I would have graduated and just been so over it probably by then. But, um, yeah, like, so that, that whole story time is like perspective problems and responsibility, right? It's like, if I can map out something and it's not only about working out, you know, that's not all it is, you know, it's a combination of things, definitely your sleep, your diet, exercise, but it's like, who of us does not learn this when we're young, right? I'm not saying that, like, they teach you every perfect thing. Like, I don't know, there's some controversy about the, like, food pyramid and all this other stuff. But, like, you learn basic stuff when you're young, you know. You get your physicals and stuff and they teach you, like, you know, exercise, you know, get cardio five days a week and, you know, eat vegetables every day and you know water drink this much water and you know all these things that they say to do it's not like we don't know you know what I mean it's not like we don't know to do it 
And I was kind of thinking about that this morning, all of this this morning. Because um, I was like, when I woke up, I was like, okay, I feel I feel pretty relaxed, rested, good. You know, I think I could have a busy, good day today. I'm not going to overdo it because I spent the last two days kind of like on purpose trying to get my energy where I want it to be. So I'm not going to overdo it and then like deplete my energy from all the work I've done to get relaxed and stuff. But I don't want to underdo it and lay around and lounge around like I did the past couple days because, you know, I took advantage of having a good weekend, but I started my weekend on Friday. So Friday, Saturday were technically my weekend days. And when I'm recording this right now, it's Sunday, but I'll probably post it for Monday. Um, or midnight or whatever, but yeah, I was like, there's no way, (laughs) um, but, um, yeah, like, I, I do think, you know, something that, you know, just listening to that Joe Rogan podcast and the iced coffee hour segment that I was listening to, you know, it kind of, you know, I was like, okay, I woke up feeling good. I had a whole weekend of watching a bunch of stuff of uh, negative stuff where I was like, this is going to impact me negatively. Um, I don't watch intensive stuff like that too much. But I started watching stuff about the Holocaust. I started watching stuff about um, what's going on with, uh, the. I think it was a newer episode of Joe Rogan's podcast where he was interviewing someone who was talking about the Israeli, you know, Palestinian conflict that's currently happening. And I was like, I listened to it for a while and I was like, ah, I don't really want to listen to content about that um, specifically. So I went and found a different one. Uh, so I found the one with The Rock that's that was from last Wednesday. And then... Um, yeah, I you know, woke up and I was like, yeah, I feel pretty good. Like, I could probably rest a little bit more, but I don't really care. You know, it's like, whatever. If I need more rest, I'll just rest later. But uh, I don't think that I'm going to overdo it today. And, you know, even when I was watching all that content about the migrants and all these, all their terrible situations, because I was like, why... I kind of wanted to know because a lot of countries are complaining about migrants and I was like why are they complaining like what you know what exactly is going on here you know so I was like let me look into this and I started getting just like warped into this like the people taking the rafts and the people on these overcrowded boats wooden fishing boats and the people who are taking these 40 60 mile you know death hikes and the people going through the Sahara and people you know trying to swim and the people going through Europe and the people coming up through I think it's called the Darien Gap the people who are getting placed in sanctuary cities LA is a sanctuary city I know Chicago's having issues um it's like bits and pieces I've been hearing and it's like, okay, some countries like, you know, Venezuela and people coming up to Libya and Libya has massive issues. It sounds like they're enslaving people and all this kind of like, it just sounds like a horrific situation um, from all these countries where people are fleeing 
to try to get to somewhere where they can support themselves and their families. And, you know, when I think about things like perspective, problems, responsibility, uh, my problems at the moment do not look anything like that. You know, I eat every day. I'm not thinking about fleeing the country. I'm not, you know, fearful like in Syria or some places where they're being bombed all the time and stuff. You know, I'm not afraid of ISIS. I'm not afraid of, you know, terrorism in my backyard, Assad or whatever some of these other groups are called. Uh, you know, I don't have any of that. You know, I live in LA. I mean, we have gangs and just some crazy ass people, but I mean, that's LA, you know. Um, they're not in my backyard either necessarily, so it's like, but you know, there are, everyone has their own type of things going on, and you know, when I was thinking about all this this morning, when I was like, okay, the exercise and the eating healthy and blah, 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 it's like, yeah, like, that is my responsibility, it's nobody else's, nobody's gonna force feed me, nobody's gonna drag me out of my lounging state and be like, all right, I'm driving you to the gym and like strapping you to a machine until you like get the job done. <laughs> you know, it's like, nobody's doing that. You know, if I don't get off my ass and do it, nobody, like my family members aren't even going to ask, you know, they're not going to be like, oh, you haven't been to the gym lately. They're just going to, they don't care. Uh, you know, if I start eating chips and cookies every day and eating unhealthy food, you know, I have enough non-healthy eaters in my house that nobody's going to challenge me. Nobody's going to be like, oh, I see you're not eating healthy anymore. You know, they don't eat healthy either, so they're not really going to care. You know, um, they might notice the difference, but they're not going to, like, challenge me on it and be like, oh, you should. Like, they're not going to say anything. Um, but, you know, I think everyone kind of has their own perspective on things. Um, and definitely, you know, that definitely worked for me years ago. That definitely was a powerful experience for me where I was like mapping out everything about my exercise routine, not everything, but all that whole kind of that synopsis I gave, um, about some of my exercise history, um, or my athletic or act physical activity history, um, how eventually at one point I was able to realize, oh, at these different points where I felt like I wasn't doing so well and things were kind of declining, like I noticed maybe I wasn't as happy or motivated as usual, or I wasn't as sharp as usual, or I just didn't have it together, like at certain periods of my life. I don't remember any of those periods of life of my life where I was being physically active on a regular basis um, or eating healthy and being physically active on a regular basis. Those things were always pushed to the side to make more potential space and energy for the stuff that I was already syncing with. Um, and I kind of, you know, I noticed this way back, but it's like, it's kind of interesting that even though I know that, I still will not make those decisions to like continue the exercise part. I'll be like, eh, I'll take a few weeks. Um, I have this notebook where I write um, 
my exercising. Uh, I started writing it. When did I start writing this? I think I've talked about it before. But I think it was like May. It says May 2022. So that was a time in my life uh, where I noticed I'm like, I'm the most out of shape I have ever been. Like right before, I think before that. Um, I got to get my timeline right. I don't remember. But there was a, a year... Uh, winter where we went to Taos, New Mexico for snowboarding and that was a good year that was a good season but the season right after that was my worst snowboard season ever and then the one after that was also not good uh, I had never gotten anxiety before going on the slopes to a point where I had skipped days that had happened both of those seasons um so I think May of 2022 was right after April of 2022, or I'm pretty sure um, April of 2022 was the end of that snowboard season. And I was so disappointed um, that I'd had a second season like that. I'm pretty sure it was that was the second season. Um, and I was pretty disappointed, and I was like, you know, let me just take this notebook and start writing it down so may of 22 of 2022 i started writing down like my weight things about my sleep just kind of like bullet points i didn't do it every day um i did like two entries in may um it looks like three four five six seven entries in june but mostly i wrote down my weight um and i kept doing it up until i started making this like one page or calendar i started doing these projects like these 30-day challenge projects i didn't really finish but i did this flexibility project um and i liked to be able to see one row was one week one row was seven seven squares and the days that i didn't exercise i put a big x so there was nothing else in that box but a big x so i could see which weeks how much how many times i had exercised at all um like on 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 new year's eve um i went to that cross new year's eve festival and i put dancing because i was at this music festival and dancing there and then new year's day i was dancing too i guess i had gotten home and that was my exercise so like there are a lot of days that i did have quite a bit of exercise at the beginning of the year and then i can just see it because i'm looking at it you know i'm looking at it i can see it um there were some times that i like skipped writing it down um, it looks like March, I wrote the weights. March, April, I wrote down the weights. I started, like, losing some weight in April. Um, I have some dates written down that I don't... I think April I didn't do too good at the gym. And in May of 2023, I also didn't do that good. I had 
one week with zero workouts, but I was averaging maybe like one to two workouts those weeks. Um, June wasn't wasn't going too good either. It looks like um, I wasn't getting a whole lot of exercise in June. Uh, July was better. Um, or was that August? I think August was a little bit better. And then September, I definitely stepped it up, it looks like. Um, and yeah, October. I don't think I wrote a lot in October. Maybe that is September and October. I don't know. It's kind of a weird calendar because it's, it starts on like, it starts on like a Wednesday and ends on a Tuesday. So it's kind of like a weird arrangement, but basically, you know, I can see it. I can look at it at a page and be like, oh, and in this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven week period, I can tell how many days I was consistent during a week um, versus just guessing and being like, I don't really know. And so I just make this grid. Uh, when I run out of boxes, I just make another one. And then, you know, I just put a check mark at the least. Um, but if it's a blank box, that means there's no workout. If there's a big X through it, that means there was no workout. And so I can just look at it and I'll be like, oh, there's a lot of blank spaces here without any, you know, the check mark means workout or I'll write more information like what I did at the gym or whatever. Like, I don't go back and reflect on it necessarily and be like, oh, like, I'm going to do more upper body now or like whatever. Like, I'm not like planning it too much. I'm just kind of like, am I doing it, you know? And so that's kind of like where a lot of my kind of responsibility is kind of going lately is to try to keep that in check um, as well as like overwhelming myself with, you know, the caffeine situation, uh, that caffeine situation isn't always a good one. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, cause it impacts my sleep and the, if I'm tired, how am I going to want to work out? That doesn't make any sense, right? Like, that's the last thing you want to do when you're tired is work out. And because I make my own schedule, it's easy for me to be like, oh, Friday, I'm just not going to do anything, even though I had plans to, like, be busy working on some stuff. It's like, I can not do that today, you know? But it's like, I do have to have some form of discipline and being like, okay, I don't want to take more than, like, a two-day weekend unless I'm, like, sick. So my weekend was Friday, Saturday for the most part, um, which isn't normal for me, but I think, uh, I feel it's kind of like a mental trick for me. It's like, I can now justify feeling like I want to be busy and getting some stuff done today because I didn't do anything for like two days, really. Um, even though I kind of wanted to, like, there was a part of my mind that was like, log in, go do that. And then I was like, ah, like. What difference does it make if I take two days off to get more refreshed, get in some exercise, you know, uh, get some stuff completed as far as the self-care stuff, you know, even if it was like a little bit stressful watching all those like migrant 
videos and stressful stuff, you know, I did come to some kind of epiphany to while watching that stuff that I was like, you know, I, I, it's good to know. It's good to know what's happening in the world. I like to stay disconnected from it because it helps me, but I was like, what can I get out of this? You know, what can I get out of learning about this so that it's not just like horrific images of, of people living really hard situations or some of them not even hardly living at all and all the psychological damage that's going to go along with those experiences of trying to escape their countries and getting put in these camps and like all that kind of stuff um you know um i think it's good to create awareness about it at the least um I know that people worry about, you know, people fleeing countries and coming into some other country and, you know, it's, it's a tricky process, but I start to think about it and I'm like, you know, I live in the U.S., you know, I haven't had to deal with that kind of problem, but if the U.S. becomes to a point where we do have to deal with it and start fleeing from certain places into other countries, you know... Would I walk like a hundred miles to the border of Mexico? Would I try to flee and get to Canada? You know, where the heck would I even go? Like, you know, I'm on the West Coast. Like, we don't have that many options. Like, Hawaii? Hawaii? Try to get to Mexico? Try to get to Canada? Like, I don't know. You know, would you be able to do it? You know? Um, if somebody starts bombing your coast or if somebody is, you know, manipulating the weather and starts causing like, you know, more like horrific, like hurricane and tsunami type situations on the West coast to where everything's getting so damaged. Like I live close enough to the coastline. Like I could walk to the beach. Like it's not like right there. It's not like a block away, but it's a, it's a handful of whites away. Like I could walk there within an hour. Um, it takes like 30 to 40 something minutes to walk there, depending if I'm walking really fast or just taking my time, but, um, it's a walkable distance. And so, you know, I, you know, I don't really have to usually think about threats like that, but it, it did kind of bring some ideas to my mind where I was like, you know, if I had to, like, deal with a situation like that, I would want a country to take me in, um, even if I didn't go uh, the correct route of, like, filing and applying and waiting and all that. Like, if I just wanted to, like, cross into a border and start working and, you know, to support myself, to eat and have a place of shelter that was safe if that was not the case where I was currently living, if it was worth the risk for me to leave to go do that. Um, I feel like in Southern California, we already have people leaving because of the risk of the negative impact of, um, of the economy that people are dealing with. But it's not... I mean, the homelessness issue is definitely out of control. It already was, and now it's definitely worse. Like, I notice it, like, I drive around a lot, and 
I've never seen the amount of people that I now see on the street in campers, uh, people selling stuff on a very regular basis, just people, tables outside in their neighborhoods, just like selling stuff to make money on the side. Like this was already going on, but the scale is like unavoidable now. Like when I look out, I'm like almost every day when I'm driving around, I'm seeing things that are part of a new situation that I'd never seen that much before, like on such a large scale. And it's like things are creeping closer and closer. You know, there's a there's an RV that's now parked on our street. Like even when I left from the neighborhood I was in in San Diego, I started noticing in San Diego that, you know, people seem to be renting out some of their back um you know, sometimes there's these houses that are like stacked. So there's like one unit and then there's like a unit behind it. So you'd have to go down the long driveway. Some people have been renting out those driveway spaces. And I've seen a lot, I'd seen a lot more RVs in that area. Uh, I'm pretty sure some of them are probably for people who take trips, but it was like, you know, I noticed it around the pandemic time. I'm like, there's no way that all these people are just taking trips now. Like, that's not what... I think it was people renting out the lot for people to park. And, you know, it would contribute to their rent. Or maybe they already had an RV that they were renting out in that space. Uh, and I started noticing that. Where it's like, Or I noticed when I would go hiking, I would always find, like, tents kind of, like, stowed away. Uh kind of tarps and things and there's one place where I used to park where I would always smell people cooking like barbecuing cooking uh I used to eat fast food quite a bit and there were some people with little hibachi grills that would like literally be camp like camping on the street like cooking their dinner while I'm like going through a drive-thru you know and like things like that where it's like these were things that you would see but not like all the time like you're driving around every day it's everywhere every day um to the point where you're hiking and you're like oh there's somebody like living here you know in this part of the trail somebody lives like up in that back behind that bushy area you can see like a colorful tent like kind of barely peeking out because they're trying to hide it but it's like people live in the camping trails like like it's not a it's not like a whole bunch of people but I'm like I'm pretty sure I would have noticed because I used to hike a lot you know and it's like like I'm not laughing like you know it's just kind of like I noticed it I was like "Mm, this is not good and that's just the least of it I'm just saying like that's how it's changed you know um in my life that's how i've that's how i've noticed Uh, i've had some friends become homeless too and um that's a thing that i was like oh that's not something that normally happens like i've had about maybe three friends become homeless in the last three years or so um struggling with it and i'm like you know, I don't think I'd ever had friends that had become homeless before, you know, um, things like that, where it's like, you know, 
I can admit I come from a pretty privileged background. You know, I've always had food. I've always had, you know, somewhere to live. Um, transportation, you know, whether or not it's breaking down or not or whatever. Like, I've always had, you know, education, like, community, family, friends, like, at least the basic, the basic stuff that matters, you know, I've always had that, you know, um, and I know a lot of people don't always have that, and so I can say that, you know, I've always had at least that, you know, um, but, you know, there's other stuff that, you know, I know I do go online and I, you know, complain about, sucks and that sucks and I think a lot of people are in the same boat where they're like yeah things do suck everybody has a different uh place where they're at with stuff you know um it's not all like the same exact issue because we're all so different you know um But, because, like, even if I was having, like, severe financial issues, it wouldn't lead me to homelessness at this current time, is what I'm trying to say. Like, have, if, if, even if I had no money in the bank, I wouldn't have to live on the street, you know? Like, I have, like, backup reserves. I have options of other ways that I could, that I could make it work, even if it's not, like, ideal, you know? I mean, I could, I could move to Zimbabwe and live off of my family's land out there like I have options you know um it's not necessarily that I want to take all the options available but it's like I know that I wouldn't starve without community you know like even if it came to a point where I'd have to be on the street I could move to a farm in the middle of nowhere in a country that I've never been to yet and People know me and I don't know them. You know, their family, friends of family. I'd be taken care of to some extent. I don't know how well or how healthy these people are or what. Like, I don't know them at all, but um, there is backup in, in place, you know. Um, you know, we have a family of, you know, elders that think about the younger generation, and they're like, okay, we have this land in place. If anybody needs to be here, it's there. You know, it's family land. If we need it, it's there. Me, my cousins, you know, my siblings, my parents, if anybody needs it, it's there. You know, so none of us are gonna, unless you can't get to Zimbabwe, you know, none of us are gonna, you know, completely, you know, be stuck forever you know it's like that's you know an option um i mean i hope it never comes to an option where we have to have that as the only choice but it's there you know we'd be able to survive you know what i mean um but um yeah like Maybe that's all heavy. I don't know. A lot of stories. Um, but yeah, if I don't post for a while, 
I like to kind of um, put in some more detail into things because um, I'm trying to post a little more often, but all right, I'm going to hydrate and go make some oats and get on with it.